And welcome back to the Balanced Body Podcast. I'm Ashley Mazurik. I hope you're not getting sick of this information. It's super important. I really, really am so glad we have a platform to share this information because it's not being allowed to uh, get out on the social media. A lot of the media platforms, Google and Facebook are axing the ability for people to have access to this information. So I feel super fortunate that I can talk about this on my podcast and reach as many people as possible as far as becoming aware and informed as to what's really going on behind the scenes that information has been suppressed, uh, has been censored. And if you're familiar with the, the interview that Dr. Judy Mikovits did uh, just lately that's been going around, it's called the plant Plandemic. Uh, that has been shut down on every media platform that we have put it out on. Uh, at least that I've tried to, once I've found it, try to put it out and uh, allow people to see it. It's been shut down. So what does that tell you? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what it tells me, but I'll let you be. The important, the important thing is to become free thinkers and think for yourself and come to your own decisions. My job isn't so much to persuade and convince, but I'm just going to tell you the information that's out there. And uh, today we're going to talk about the influenza, we're talking about the Hib B uh, and a vitamin K vaccine. Uh, mind-blowing. So the average number of people that get the flu, uh, most of them have pre-existing conditions. It's interesting because the CDC made up a number and said that there were 36,000 deaths a year from the, the influenza, the flu, which happened to be a lie. Um, once they called them out, once people who were smart called them out on on it. So first of all, the question is, is, well, why would they up the ante and lie about there being 36,000 deaths? Well, if people think they could potentially die from influenza, then they're going to get a vaccine. And they, and people have been educated that vaccines are going to help them and they're going to heal them, but that's actually not the case. Like I said, th there does seem to be a lot of misinformation out there. Well, now the CDC website says there's an average of 3,300 to 4,900, well, actually it's 49,000 deaths um, that have been taken by the influenza at some point in different years. But what they don't say is that includes pneumonia. So uh, the year 2014, there was 4,600 deaths, 4,600, not very many. And like I said in the beginning, a lot of those people that died from the flu had pre-existing conditions. In the year 2010, it was as low as 500 deaths from the influenza. Interesting and oddly enough, CNN put out a statement from the CDC stating, and this was in 2014, that the flu vaccine was ineffective due to the fact that the virus had mutated 
the flu strain that they used to make the vaccine wasn't the right one. So, very interesting. There is a, actually, there is a non-for-profit, non-biased a team of volunteer, volunteer researchers, peer-reviewed research, no industry-influenced organization called the Cochrane Collaboration. It's that particular group, to sounds like to me, it is one that can be trusted because they don't have patents in their pockets. They don't work for manufacturers of vaccines. They have no political or financial gain in the stakes of making an, an opinion. And so their opinion on vaccines were that there was no, quote unquote, no evidence that shows that vaccines are safe and effective. Just putting that out there. That is the Cochrane, that's C-O-C-H-R-A-N-E collaboration, something to look for. So in 2009 and 2010 was the swine flu. That year, the WHO, if you're not familiar with WHO stands for, it's the World Health Organization. It is an organization that should be protecting us and protecting the world as far as disease and pandemics. And so when the swine flu came out, all of a sudden, the WHO decided to rephrase and define what pandemic meant to basically convince the people into believing that we were having a pandemic in 2009 and 10 with the swine flu. And later found out that the people that were advising the WHO were physicians that had some stock. Uh, some stock specifically in vaccines and, well, stock and ownership of vaccines and Tamiflu. And so that was what they were suggesting at that time, uh, were they were suggesting during the swine flu that the one cure was to use Tamiflu and they were selling the flu vaccination. Interesting. So we may need, need to look a little deeper into specifically who's saying what and why and what is their background uh, and what are they connected or tethered to that would create that statement. We're learning, I feel like in this day, a, this day and age, unfortunately, that trust is something that really, really, truly needs to be earned. And so... In 2010, the U.S. Advisory Committee on Immunization began recommending the flu vaccine on children older than six months, saying it was safe and effective, saying, not proving, not giving evidence, but just saying. Well, in 2012, the Cochrane Collaboration reviewed this and concluded that kids under the age of two are not sick significantly more efficacious than a placebo. Well, we have to look up the word efficacious and what does that mean? It means capable of creating and getting the desired effect more than a placebo. So essentially, people older than the age of two uh, that get the flu 
vaccination basically have reduced their risk by 3%. Now remember, there's there's, uh, tamarisol, which is otherwise known as mercury, is in the flu vaccine. Just saying. Talking about collateral damage here for you. Well, it says if you pick up a uh, flu level, it's flu level bottle, which is a flu vaccine. It says, quote unquote, there have been no controlled trials adequately demonstrating a decrease in the influenza after using the flu level. That's scary. It says it right on the bottle if we will take a look at it more specifically and see for sure for ourselves. In other words, don't believe me. Uh, read the bottle. So I told you that type, the, the Marisol is in the flu vaccine. Okay, so what, what's so bad about mercury? Well, What's so bad about it is it causes a mutation in, the, in a mammal's germ cells. It may cause damage to the actual central nervous system, which we all know. All we have to do is look at the autistic rate, and we know that's uh, brain inflammation, central nervous system damage happening, going on. Well, the good news, if there is any good news, that... Tamarisol was actually taken out of three vaccines in 2003. But that same year, that same year of 2003, it was highly suggested that um, pregnant women and children get the flu vaccine. And so the I just want to just give you the information on the connection of uh, mercury and flu vaccination. The amount of mercury that is in a flu vaccine is actually a million times the limit that any adult should have in their, be put in their body. Well, the question might be, well, why do they put mercury in them? Well, actually what, they, what, what was said on this documentary that I've been talking about forever now. It is the truth about vaccines 2020 by the Bollingers. The reason they put mercury in this vial, in this flu vac- vaccine, is it's an antimicrobial agent. And so, but, but what's interesting is they have, they have this mercury in there and, and if a flu vaccine vial drops on the floor, or in other words, you can't actually throw it in the trash can, it has to be treated as a hazardous waste. Same, so along those lines, the, the most in most states, the law says if a doctor drops a multi-dose vaccine vial, multi-dose vaccine vial is when there's a vaccine with more than one disease, which the MMR is a good example because it has the mumps, measles, and the rubella. If it's dropped on the floor, they actually have to evacuate the building and bring in a hazardous waste crews 
to clean it up. Yes, but they are injecting this into a, a vulnerable infant with zero immune system and a woman who's pregnant and a baby that's not even out in this world developing an immune system hasn't even begun. Little tiny baby. They're giving, don't forget, with the flu vaccine and pregnant women, it's a million times what the EPA says is safe for adults. Interesting. So let's go back to on the CDC website. It says the flu vaccine doesn't work for all, but for, for possibly 50% of the people out there. So 75% may get the flu and pass it to other people. Studies show that people who get the flu shot were more susceptible during a pandemic than people who had never gotten the flu shot. So basically, basically what we're saying now in the midst, so now we're in the midst of a pandemic. We've got a lot of people getting sick and we've got a lot of children getting sick right now. Well, if they've had the influenza vaccine, if they've had vaccines, could it be the answer as to why that's happening? Well, Dr. Heather Rice says that children want to be exposed to illness early on because it's part of the developmental process of the immune system. It's the natural process of those kids developing a good, healthy immune system later in the life to deal with any kind of other issue that might come, come into their system. They have a fighting chance because their immune system has been, has de was developed early on. Well, in, in, 19, or in, in November 2016, Science Magazine said that younger children infected by a natural virus imprints their whole neuroimmune system so later on, their bodies are strong enough to fight and recognize virus, strong enough to recognize viruses later on and are strong enough to fight them. When people get sick from the flu shot, they don't actually get sick from the influenza. It's actually the poison in the body that, that they're reacting to that gets them sick. And that process of them getting sick is to remove, remove that poison. It, and, and, and also, um, uh, Dr. Heather Rice says that if you don't get sick, the poison stays in the body until, it, until then it's excreted naturally. And that's, you know, both of them are actually a good thing. You're, but you, you know, you obviously are, your body's strong enough and it doesn't react with symptoms. Um, the latter is better than the former. So what's interesting before we move on to the Hep B vaccine is allergies were unheard of before the invention of the hypodermic needle. Unbelievable. So since the hypodermic needle becomes the birth of allergies. Speaking of allergies, uh, correlation and what was said about the Hep B vaccine was the Hep B vaccine is really responsible for the cause of peanut allergies. 
because, interesting, oddly enough, they use peanut oil within this vaccine and other nut oils. So you inject this vaccine into the body, it creates an inflammatory response, immune response. And so the body then uh, reacts to that. So later on, when you eat a peanut, the body then recognizes this as a reaction of immune response. And so it's confused and it continues to create an inflammatory immune response. Hence the peanut allergy. Interesting. So then we move on to vi the vitamin K vaccine, which is, uh, which is done right after a little infant angel of an innocent child is born. Just saying, it contains aluminum and neurotoxin and antifreeze. So it's a synthetic vaccine. And so it's given to babies so that they clot, they can clot their blood. Now, I don't know about you, but I first thing that comes to mind when I heard this was, well, what situation would a baby need to clot its blood? Well, yeah, it's very rare, a rare situation for a baby to need this. But what a lot of doctors and research said, on the other half, of supporting not having aluminum antifreeze in, in a little infant. Instead, what we could give these newborn babies is uh, rather the pediatricians could advise the mother to eat green leafy vegetables months prior to birth, and that could help a child clot versus giving them the vaccine. But then again, vaccine production of vaccines and the companies that sell this wouldn't make near the money. And so what we're finding is before we end this, before I um, end this particular podcast on that piece of information, and I'll let you stew on that, chew on that information and um, come to your own conclusion of whether or not you think vaccines are safe and effective for us to be putting in our body. Uh, but Norway and Iceland have the lowest rate of infant mortality. And so what's interesting is they don't give children vaccinations um, and never before six months. Let's just say that 99% of the mothers um, breastfeed. They also have the lowest amount of vaccines given, and this is suggested by the government. And so with that being said, it's something, uh, something of an interesting, honest correlate. And I would, I would believe if vaccines are the lowest, lowest number of vaccines, they don't give them early on uh, to a, a child. They wait, uh, a lot of their mothers, or 99% of the mothers breastfeed, which is a huge product of creating uh, a healthy immune system within that infant. So with that being said, it would be nice if more of us would, could, would, 
would be able to breastfeed or want to breastfeed. If we could get back to vaginal births versus cesarean, it's much healthier for the for the child. There's always circumstances that can prevent that. No way ever do I is my intention to shame or make anybody feel guilty uh, for, for sure. Uh, but it is, I know it's healthier. I know for a fact. And so I want to just end with letting you know that we've got a few more of these because I podcasts on this information because it was a nine part documentary and it's super valuable to know this stuff. So you guys can make an educated decision going forward in life. And, um, I didn't know it. Uh, I wish I would have known it 13, 14 years ago at this point. And so thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time. And I hope you will share this with other people that can also be educated.